Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures again with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. There's a very good reason why we've chosen to call these programs Focus on the Kingdom. Our purpose is certainly not just academic or theoretical, it's highly practical. We want to be of service to the Christian public. We are educators with a definite goal in mind. That goal is to enable the Bible reading community to share our joy at discovery. There was a time when we found Bible study difficult. But there are certain keys to the Bible which will unlock the book for everyone. We want to show you what those keys are as we continue with our ongoing discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. By various circumstances, we've been thrown into the Bible-searching business. And by business, of course, I don't mean financial business. I mean the enterprise of trying to find out what the Bible has to tell us. We're convinced that all Christians should be personal truth-seekers. Experience has taught us that it simply is not safe to take the word of someone else about what the Bible has to say without personally checking and investigating everything we hear and comparing it against the gold standard presented us in the Bible itself. Now, in taking that sort of attitude, we are following the example of those people mentioned in Acts 17, verse 11, the Bereans, and Luke reports that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what they were hearing was true. And for that reason they became, Luke says, true believers. Now, we're convinced that most people in the Christian West are not following the example of the Bereans. There are very few people who are actually studying the Bible day by day, probing it, analyzing it, digging into it with all the resources available to them, in order to discover the truth that lies within its pages. And yet we think that this is an indispensable exercise. Indeed, it's the absolute duty of everyone who seeks the truth and seeks to serve God and follow His Son, Jesus. None of us may shirk the responsibility of digging after the truth of the Scriptures. Now, the reason we feel so strongly about this is the fact that Jesus warned that it's possible to be deceived. If anybody has any doubt about that fact, he may simply turn to Matthew chapter 7. And at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' great discourse about what we must do in preparation to enter the kingdom of God when it comes at the return of Jesus, the Messiah spoke some of the most tremendous words he ever uttered at any time. He said that many will protest that they had been Christians only to suffer a shattering disappointment when Jesus comes back. Jesus said that many will protest and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? That's to say, as representing you. Didn't we cast out demons as your representatives? And didn't we, as Christians, as we thought, do many marvelous works. 
And then Jesus will turn to them and say, Depart from me, you who are working lawlessness, I never knew you. Now surely these must be some of the most challenging words ever spoken by Jesus. I'm sure that Jesus laid the utmost emphasis on this extraordinary piece of teaching at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You see, he's saying there that many, the majority apparently, are going to find out one day that what they thought was Christianity really wasn't. Now, they were preaching as Christians. They were doing miracles as Christians. But they weren't, in fact, following Jesus. Now, how could that terrible situation come about? It's only possible, we think, on the basis of a widespread deception. Now, the Bible speaks of Satan being the deceiver of the whole world. Revelation 12, verse 9. 1 John 5:19 says that the whole world lies in the grip of the deception of the devil. The word there in the Greek suggests that the world has simply sold out to the devil and is lying in the devil's arms. Now, these extraordinary words tell us in no uncertain terms that we are to be on guard. We should be in a perpetual state of alert that we may, in fact, have become victims of such a deception. We cannot appeal to the ancient traditions of our church. We cannot appeal to the expert knowledge of those whom we trust as teachers. We are bound to search these things out, the matter of truth versus error, in the Bible for ourselves. Now, you may say that's a very daunting task. But God has given us a mind, and he's given us the capacity to search for him and find him. God, you know, invites us to reason with him. Come, let us reason together, he says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. As someone has said, God likes a good argument. You've heard the old saying that where there are two rabbis together, there are three different opinions. You see, the Jews were trained to think of the Bible as an intellectual challenge, not only just a book of comfort, but something to engage the thinking process. So many of us feel secure, as we think, in accepting Jesus as our Savior, that he'll work everything out for us. But have we accepted him as our instructor, our rabbi, our teacher? In John 13, verse 13, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you do well to do that. Are we, in fact, treating Jesus as our rabbi, our instructor, as our guide and teacher? Do you remember that the Apostle John said that Jesus had come to give us an understanding that we should know God? 1 John 5, verse 20. That word, viania, understanding, in the Greek language means rational process, the ability to reason and think things out. Well, Jesus came to give us the right way of thinking, the right way of dealing with God's Word, the right way of finding truth and distinguishing it from error. That's what Jesus conferred on the apostles and he instructed them in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to take that same information to the whole wide world. Now, the Bible, of course, is a library of books written by different individuals over a period of some 1,500 years. But there is a way of making sense of those documents. We must put our finger on the key idea, the principal concept 
the underlying theme that unifies the entire Bible as a single revelation from the one God, the Creator. Just as we observe order and system in God's creation when, for example, we talk about the solar system, so in God's revelation there's a system to be detected. We may call it then a system of salvation, a definite scheme that we are supposed to understand and grasp and by which we are then supposed to order our lives. Now that system has to do, we're absolutely convinced of this, with the kingdom of God. You see, from the very start, man was placed on the earth to rule. The very first command ever given to Adam was to take charge of the world as God's vice-regent, as king for God. Mankind was supposed to represent God on this earth. You read this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, the text says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule, there's the word for kingship, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth. And in verse 28, God blessed the first pair, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There you have, at the very beginning of our Bible, God's intention for mankind. It was to be in the image of God, that's to say, to represent God on the earth and to exercise government on his behalf. So, you see, man was honored with a share in God's rule. You find this also in Psalm number 8, verses 4, 5, and 6. The psalmist there says, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crowned him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet. So there then the psalmist takes up the same concept of man's position on the earth as God's vice-regent, designed then to exercise sovereignty and kingship over the earth on which God had placed him. Now there's a thrilling drama being worked out throughout the pages of the Bible. The story is simply this that right from the very beginning, soon after man had been established as God's vice-regent on the earth, there was a disruption of God's plan. The devil intervened with his subtle lies and deceived man and woman into obeying him rather than God. The story began, as we see in Genesis, with God saying that everything was very good. But only a short time after that, Due to this terrible disruption by man's disobedience, everything, in fact, has become chaotic. And this immediately then sets up a tension which begs to have a resolution. It is the resolution of that problem set up at the very beginning of the history of man on earth which forms the unfolding drama of the entire Bible. We're waiting to see how God will reassert his royal rule over creation. That's the story of the entire Bible, and that royal rule 
is known in Scripture as the kingdom of God. In subsequent programs, we'll be tracing that kingdom of God idea throughout the pages of the Hebrew Bible, what we perhaps mistakenly call the Old Testament. But for the moment, let's finish today by pointing out that at the very beginning of the story of Jesus in the New Testament, we find him concentrating immediately on this single concept, namely the kingdom of God. Jesus comes into Galilee in Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, and he makes a public declaration to his fellow Jews. He says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and change your mind and believe in that good news, the good news about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God undoubtedly would mean that resolution of the great problem set up from the beginning when Adam and Eve fell into tragic disobedience and when the devil then took over the government of the world because of man's refusal to obey God. Adam and Eve, so to speak, sold out to the devil at the beginning. They voted to have the devil as their leader. And God says that he's going to reassert his authority on the earth and he's going to do it through Jesus Christ and those who follow him. That then is the drama that fills the pages of our Bible. The kingdom of God is the key to understanding the whole. Everything in the Bible revolves around that single concept, namely God's kingship to be reestablished on the earth through Jesus Christ. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to join us again as we continue our discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.